Hey there folks, and welcome to podcast today for May 5th. It's not May 5th, May is the 5th month of the year, it's May 30th, it's near the end of May, which is hard to believe. May 30th, 2016, it is a Monday, and I nearly died of melting today? I'm pretty sure humans can melt in the sun, that's like, science, isn't it? Yesterday I was moaning about nearly being hit by lightning, and today, you know, moaning about it being too sunny. That's Irish weather for you, never, ever, literally ever know what you're gonna get. Today, I am going to definitively now this is definitive. There is no other other list or, or rankings or, or opinion that is better than the one I'm about to give. I'm going to definitively rank the Pixar films, with the exceptions. <laughs> that is to give you an illustration of just how definitive this is, with the exceptions of The Good Dinosaur, which I have not yet seen, and Finding Nemo, which I for some reason also haven't seen. Me not seeing Finding Nemo is still kind of a weird one, because I love Pixar films, and I love Pixar, but I've just never watched Finding Nemo had on DVD as well, but I just, just never watched it. I will watch it, especially with Finding Dory coming out at the end of the summer. I will definitely watch it before Finding Dory, and I will do a podcast a day on it to see was it worth waiting all that time for. Same with The Good Dinosaur, because that didn't get super reviews, and I just didn't get around to seeing it while it was in the cinema, and you know how that works. It's just, oh, it's gone out of the cinema, and then you have to wait for it on either home video, but home video doesn't really exist anymore, but it's developed Pixar films, it does. Pixar still released their films on DVD and Blu-ray, but you're hoping for home media, the Netflixes of the world. So this is my definitive ranking of the 14 Pixar films I've actually seen. Again, super definitive. The worst Pixar film, the 14th out of 14 is Cars 2. I think that's pretty, pretty straightforward. I think most people would rank Cars 2. Maybe like Monsters University, that might be down there. People don't really like Monsters University that much. But Cars 2 felt the most cynical of the Pixar sequels. Like Pixar's, the, like Monsters Inc. has had a sequel. Toy Story has had two sequels and will have a third. And Cars has two sequels and I think will also have a third. And there's an incredible sequel and a Finding Nemo sequel. But the most cynical of them, especially when you watch the film and you, you, you have to think to yourself, why did they make this film? Because Pixar famously, they have the, the line they, they spout that they do not make a sequel unless they feel they have story justification for doing so. Now, I don't think they did with Cars. I just think they made it because Cars sells lots of toys and lots of licensing deals and makes lots of money. Which you can't blame them. Disney owned them. Disney Disney want money. They're in the business of making... Fair enough, they're making art, but they're making art with the end game being to have people pay to see it. But let's face it, Pixar films are going to make loads of money. Might as well make good ones, Disney. I'll just cash in on bad ones. 13th, Brave. It was far too formulaic for a Pixar film. It felt too much like they were doing their own spin on a Disney princess film, which is, is an okay idea if they're going to Pixarify it enough. But, nah, it just didn't work for me. It felt too, too by-the-numbers Disney rather than out-of-the-box Pixar. It felt too much from the, like, obviously Pixar is owned by Disney now. It felt like it had too much Disney DNA in it. It was doing a, a poor copy of a D Disney princess film as opposed to doing a kind of a fun unique thing and there's bears I like bears bears are cool but the bears aren't enough to make me like a film next 12th monsters university again sequels sequels don't actually I say sequels don't fare very well the toy story sequels fare pretty well on this list but the other two sequels that have been released so far don't because again, Monsters University was a prequel, which is an interesting idea, but I think ultimately a very bad idea. Because the best part, as I will talk in a moment, about the original Monsters, Inc. film was the relationship between Mike, Sully, and Boo. And when you take Boo out of that, and Boo is adorable, you take her out, it's significantly less fun. 
when you take the most interesting character out of something, it becomes inherently less interesting. <laughs> Next is, I'm kind of upset I have to actually rank it this low because I actually really like this film, but it is not as good as other films. Well, it's not that it's not as good as other films. Other films just happen to be better than it. Saying it's not as good means gives the inherent implication that the film itself isn't good. Whereas it's just other films happen to be better. Cars is 11th and I really, really, really like Cars. I think Cars is a, a darn good, enjoyable film, which is the reason Cars 2 is such a disappointment. But there's just lots of films that are better than Cars. That's Cars' problem. Also, Life is a Highway, great song from that soundtrack. I didn't actually, I don't remember listening to it until we did a weekend show episode on Disney songs and Ken included Pixar songs, even though part of the rules was you couldn't include Pixar songs because Ken doesn't pay attention to the rules. You can go back and listen to that episode at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. And he was like, Life is a Highway. And it's like, oh, that's a great song. Damn it. Next, again, a film that I don't like placing so low, but is a really good film in its own right, A Bug's Life, about a colony of ants who are being terrified by a bunch of grasshoppers and they have to band together to fend off the bullies and, and fend for themselves instead of just being subservient and giving all of their food to the grasshoppers. It's a really weird, specific plot, and uh, weirdly it was released the same year as Ants was, or in the same period Ants was, it might not have been necessarily the same exact year. But we're getting toward the, the Pixar films that have really neat ideas. I think that's what makes Pixar films stand out from a lot of other films. Like Toy Story seems, on, on the surface, a relatively simple idea, but it, it's just brilliantly brought together. It's just toys come to life. But next up is Monsters, Inc. Before I get to Toy Story, we have a couple more films to go through. Monsters, Inc., a tremendously fun, interesting energetic, weird film, and with a, a really, really, really strong message. Again, the ideas really stand out because the, the base idea is that there is a bunch of monsters who travel from the monster world into the real world to scare humans for energy. Well, that's a very weird, random thing. <laughs> but then the, the kind of moral in the end, the, 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 the takeaway from the film is that laughter is more powerful than fear. And that's a wonderful message for a kid's film. That's a, a wonderful kind of moral for, for kids to take away from going to the cinema. That the idea that just, you know, don't be mean to people. You, you'll get more from making people happy than you will from making people sad. Next up is Ratatouille, which is a super charming film and also extremely unrealistic because no matter what, how well a rat could cook, if a rat came into your kitchen and you'd be like, ah, I'll get it out, kill it. <laughs> you're going to be like, oh, you know, the rat can cook. The rat actually pulls his weight. You like, kill the rat. But it's super charming. Realistically, a book's like Monsters, Inc., Cars, and Ratatouille. I have ranked them in, in this. I've ranked them from Ratatouille, Monsters, Inc., A Book's Life, and Cars in that order. But I think you could you could slot each in and out. I think they're the most interchangeable on this list. You could you could take any of the All four are about on the same level. They're not quite super visionary as the best of the best Pixar films, but they're also super fun times. Now we're, we're hitting the heavy hitters. Seventh, Toy Story 2, which I hummed and hawed on what order to put the Toy Stories in and where to put the Toy Stories onto this list. And Toy Story 2 does have the, the super beautiful story of Jessie. She's been abandoned and she doesn't have hope and she just wants to be sold to a museum because she, she doesn't want to go to another kid and be disappointed again. And then she sings that song, which is actually sung by Sarah McLaughlin, which is obviously going to pull on your heartstrings in a way that feels extraordinarily emotionally manipulative, but is extraordinarily effective. So you can't really give out to them, can you? But I figured it is the the weakest of the Toy Story films. 
and maybe if I rewatched them, I wouldn't think that because I say it's the weakest of the Toy Story films. It's still a tremendous film, and again with with tremendous ideas in play because you know the toys come to life thing is the the core premise of Toy Story. Whereas Toy Story two deals with the, the kind of the loss on the toy end when your your owner grows up when I grow when because while in in the original Toy Story, which I ranked next, Toy Story is sixth, so I might as well mention that while I'm talking about it. In the original Toy Story, Andy hasn't necessarily outgrown all of his toys, and he hasn't outgrown Woody in the sense that he doesn't want Woody anymore. He's just found the new thing. Um, that's more about what happens when new things kind of come along or is Toy Story 2 is about loss and abandonment which is super heavy and then you get Sarah McLaughlin to sing a song about how everything was wonderful and then you got left under a tree and you were abandoned and then you cry because if you don't if you watch that film and you come across that sequence and you don't cry you you have strange robot eyes that are not allowed to to cry can robot eyes cry I suppose I suppose we could probably program robot eyes to cry Anyway, next is Toy Story. Toy Story is the first Pixar film and obviously visionary. It's just just masterful in pretty much everything it does. I say that I ranked it sixth. There's five films that I think are better than it. But I think from Toy Story up, these are masterpieces. These are tremendous pieces of filmmaking on pretty much every level in Toy Story. Not only does it have a wonderful voice cast, Tom Hanks and Woody Allen in particular in the, the main two roles as Buzz and Woody, but... It's just such a smart film. It, it really does think through what would toys be like if they came to life and then realize that in a way that, that looks amazing, actually. Go back and watch Toy Story. That film is 20 years old and it looks like it could be released tomorrow and no one would go, oh, you know, this film doesn't hold up pretty well. It actually holds up bizarrely well. It looks so good. It's scary. In the fifth spot, the best superhero film ever made. Well, maybe not quite best, but one of the best superhero films ever made and most certainly the best Fantastic Four film ever made, The Incredibles which comes across a family of superheroes who are in retirement, basically. The world has moved past the point where they want superheroes anymore. I was going to say need superheroes, but they still kind of need superheroes, but they don't really want superheroes anymore. Superheroes have overstayed their welcome. And actually, if you compare it to like Civil War or the X-Men films or even Batman vs. Superman, it's kind of the same idea, isn't it? Society isn't sure about whether or not they actually want superheroes roaming their streets so they force them into retirement and working office jobs while they fight crime on the side under the radar and then obviously giant threat. It's such a good satire of superhero stuff though and superhero tropes and, and that kind of stuff. Especially because it was released before all the silly superhero films were all released in the last 10 years. The explosion of superhero films. In that respect it was ahead of its time because if you released that film now it would be no less good. But it would actually maybe be more interesting in kind of the cultural lexicon as a satire of a genre that's taken over filmmaking, essentially, or at least big blockbuster filmmaking. But this film was released in, I want to say, 2004, and yet its commentary on superhero films is no less sharp then than it would have been had it been released today. Next up in the fourth spot, Up. Now you might say, well, Up isn't that great a film after the first 10 minutes. And I disagree, but I would kind of agree, because obviously the highlight of Up is the first 10 minutes. But again, the weirdness comes to to, the forefront it's about a man who accidentally kidnaps a child and flies his frickin' house up with a bunch of balloons to South America. Of course, you can't talk about Up without those opening 10 minutes. Those opening 10 minutes are what got the film an Oscar nomination. It is just totally pulling on your emotional heartstrings. And it's a kid's film. It's a kid's film that just makes you cry within the first 10 minutes. It's like, yeah, look at these nice characters, and oh yeah, they're having a nice lovely time, and oh yeah, oh no. No, they haven't achieved their life dreams. Oh, I don't know that everything has worked out quite like they had planned it. Oh, and now one is dead. One is dead. And 
<laughs> I can't take it anymore. And you see, I was giving out recently, actually, about films that introduce characters solely to kill them off. And you would think I'd be a little upset at this film because it does the same thing. It introduces Elliot at the start of the film solely to kill her off. But the rest of the film, the, the entire other 80 odd minutes of the runtime, is about Carol dealing with that loss. And that that's the difference. Because that character isn't killed off for no reason or for, for a cheap tug in the heartstrings. That character is killed off in order to get you to care about Carol and his journey to South America. You wouldn't care otherwise. It's just a weird guy going to South America in his balloon then. Because they introduced that character and made you feel for her and then killed her. Which is a very callous thing for a filmmaker to do. But it gets you to care about what Carol is doing. Makes the film work. Keeps the film ticking over. See, that's the difference between doing something as a cheap way to get the audience to, to invest in something, or making it kind of fundamental to making you care about what's happening in the film. As I'm running quite long, or longer than usual, I'll go through the top three pretty quick. Toy Story 3, which again is... which takes the, the ideas of Toy Story to their natural conclusion, because Toy Story is about l loss and, and time, and the passage of time, and being left behind, and it, it in real time, which is, is this strange thing, because the the original Toy Story film was released in the mid-90s, and then this was released in 2010. So Andy grew up literally in real time, which is a weird little thing. And toys have been left behind. And what do they do next? And is the thing that comes next as good as the thing you had? And what happens in it when it isn't? And what do you do? Do you break out of the preschool, or do you just accept your, your lot in life and move on? God, Pixar makes smart films. Speaking of... Their, their most, well, I was going to say their most recent release, but their most recent release was The Good Dinosaur. But the one before that is at number two, Inside Out, which, once again, has an, a tremendously super clever idea at its core. The idea being it's okay to be sad, which is a fundamentally extremely mature message for any film to have, never mind a, a kid's film. Because kids are told over and over again, you know, you know cheer up, or, or I want to see that smile, buddy. There is a stigma on people feeling sad, and everyone feels sad. Sadness is a part of life. We have to learn how to, to deal with our sadness and use it in a way that's in some ways productive, rather than letting the sadness eat us alive slowly from the inside, which can happen to the best of us. But Inside Out is just like, it's okay. Sadness is a part of life. And then they realize that in a, a pretty fantastic way by turning your head into a theme park full of emotions that are constantly contradicting and fighting with one another, which is what any person's head is like, never mind a teenager's when the hormones are going through the roof. And it all just creates a, a super smart film that has a s fantastic message at its core. But it's only number two. Number one, Wally. I'm sure you worked it out by the fact that I told you the two films that aren't going to be on this list and there was only one film left, and that is Wally. Because I heard hype about Wally at the time because I didn't see Wally in the cinema. I, I, I've seen most of these films in the cinema. As I said, I, I usually see Pixar films in the cinema unless for some reason I, I just forget. But I saw Wally and I was like, nah, a weird trash compactor wandering around freaking Earth after we've been abandoned. That's not interesting. Oh, what? The first 20 minutes have no words? Nah, that's not interesting. Oh, environmental themes? Been there, done that. That was me, whatever, eight years ago when Wally was released. Stupid, dumb, 16 year old me. I haven't gotten much smarter since, but I've gotten smarter enough to realize that I shouldn't be so close-minded before films are released and then see the film and realize, good God, it's a masterpiece. On every fundamental level, Wally is a masterpiece. It's one of the few Pixar films that's, that's a pure love story, but also it's about a trash compactor and a robot falling in love and they shouldn't fall in love. And then they discover that the planet that they're living on is still habitable 
And I do love the scene in space where humans uh, have devolved to just sitting in chairs and never moving and we've all gotten fat and we don't even know how to walk anymore because we were just carried around by our automated chairs. I wonder if society ever get like that where we get so automated that like walking is unnecessary. We should never let ourselves get like that because laziness is bad for all of us. Also letting the planet die is bad for all of us. Even just from a, a stewardship perspective, we're responsible for this planet. We should really keep it in an okay state. And usually I, I dislike environmental messages because ugh, they're, they're rarely subtle. <laughs> but Wally kind of wraps the environmental message around a love story between two robots who you wouldn't really imagine falling in love. I wonder will robots actually fall in love when we develop like AI? and they, they can think, and they can slowly develop and get smarter. Well, do you think they'll fall in love? I hope so. I hope we don't deprive robots of that kind of thing, especially when they become our overlords and rule us all. I'm on your side, robots. Don't kill me. That's my definitive ranking of every single Pixar film, except the two Pixar films I haven't seen, which makes it less definitive, but it is definitive nonetheless. <laughs> you can hear new episodes of podcasts today every single day on soundcloud.com forward slash GDRSKK, on iTunes or on YouTube. Hit me up on Twitter at GarrettGidney, G-A-R-R-E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y, or you can email me at GarrettGidney at gmail.com. If you want to come on the show, if you want to talk about literally anything, I've opened my DMs recently, which is a, a dangerous thing to do to, to make my DMs open to the world. But if you want to DM me, you can on Twitter or, or pop me an email. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.